0: On tonight's episode of Adult Bedtime Stories, we're going to do a continuation on oral sex, the art of oral sex. And I have with me Paul, who's going to be joining me on this show tonight. Hello. (laughs) I thought it'd be good to come back to oral sex again and talk a little bit about some of our experiences with oral sex and a few of the details, just some stories about it. And I'd like to turn it over to Paul for a moment and let him kind of talk a little bit about some of his experiences.
1: Oral sex is one of my favorite forms of sex. It's just so hot, and it's a great way to connect with people. I think that a lot of people think of oral sex as kind of just foreplay before the main event and don't really pay attention to the importance of oral sex as a main aspect of sex, which I think is really sad because oral sex is fantastic. When I first started having sex, I discovered very early on that I really liked oral sex and unfortunately at the time i was with someone who didn't really enjoy receiving oral sex a lot just enough to get the juices flowing but luckily we were in a polyamorous relationship so i had plenty of opportunities to explore outside of that relationship and kind of honed my skills, and some of my favorite experiences, like early on there was a girl that was friends with our group of friends, and we got to to flirting one night. Sure enough, I wound up in one of the back rooms with her. We started, and I started going down on her, and she absolutely loved it and really just couldn't get enough. And I had planned on having sex with her, but instead I just ate her out for, like, two and a half hours. And it was absolutely incredible. Like, I really got to explore her entire body with my tongue and uh, really get to know every little bit of her and explore all of her erogenous zones. And it just was so intimate and incredible. And then a few years later, I had opened myself up to my bisexuality. And that's when I first started doing oral sex on men. And I found I really loved that a lot because having a penis, I knew more how the penis worked. And going down on a guy is just so so primal and feeling the cock get hard harder and harder in your mouth and feeling it on like on your tongue and down your throat just this is absolutely incredible and it took me a while to to learn that you don't just go into it. You don't just start with the dick or the pussy. You explore a little bit and you lick around the thighs, maybe nibble a bit, play with the perineum with your fingers or with your tongue. You can kiss all around the genitals, the stomach and the the hips and use your hands it's really important when you do oral sex to use your hands, use your tongue. I like to breathe like hot air on my partner before I ever stimulate their genitals because it gives them a tease before you actually stimulate their genitals. And I, I think it's very, very erotic. The smell of a person's body is such an aphrodisiac. I think my favorite experience with oral sex was actually with you, Gigi, when we had a a session where we were going to edge for hours and hours, and... I knew that it was coming for I think several weeks and we both meditated on it and worked up sexual energy and then when the day came I got there and we did a very very long prolonged play where I stimulated all of the areas of your body that weren't your erogenous zones to build up that sexual energy and then slowly lick or a nibble on your scrotum and then i'd go back to your thigh or was stimulating the area around your your pectoral muscles and then i'd slowly graze your nipples. And we did that for a long time. And then I started working on the non-genital erogenous zones. And we did that for a long time. And then stimulating your perineum. And then slowly I I I think at first I started uh, performing analingus. I started rimming you, and you know there again I didn't go right for it to begin with. I kind of circled around the area and slowly got closer and closer, and then did a little tease with my tongue, and then went back to the the circles around, and then eventually went into to the anus and I licked it and had a good time and then sucked your balls for a while first like licking the scrotum and slightly pulling with my teeth and then licking a licking one and then slowly got one into my mouth and then switched to the other one and then Then sucking both of them. Your balls in my mouth and then my hands on your nipples. Or when I got to where I was licking the shaft of your dick, I'd use one of my hands to stimulate your balls while using my thumb to stimulate your anus. And then sucking your dick. And that went on for hours and hours and hours and you'd tell me to get away and then you'd stimulate yourself because you were close to to orgasm and we just went through through this event and it was like poetry like learning each other's cues and and things like that it was absolutely incredible. It's one of the sexual experiences that has meant most to me in my life. So that was hands down my favorite oral sex memory.
0: Oh, wow. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And I would like to say that doing oral sex is an art. And it's a type of dance that you're playing with this symphony of s- sensations on the body. One of the things that can be so amazing is when you combine oral sex with edging the orgasm. And edging the orgasm, It's can be a very powerful sexual experience. I'm glad you brought up doing this tantric circles around the anus and slowly coming into licking around the genitals and working towards it very slowly and teasingly because it builds that anticipation. And it can be very erotic to build that energy up like that before going down on somebody. And I know that especially for women, if you just start licking the vulva, haven't even been warmed up yet, (laughs) and I've heard so many women tell me, you know, I, I would love it so much more if they wouldn't just concentrate just on my clitoris or concentrate just on my vulva. So many times, a lot of guys just go straight down there and start licking, and one of the things I think a lot of guys aren't aware of is that the clitoris has more nerve endings than the tip of the penis, and it's also a lot smaller, so it's much more concentrated. And if you just go, well, some women don't even like any clitorals, direct clitoral stimulation. For a lot of women who do enjoy clitoral stimulation, they don't want it right off the bat. They want to have it slowly build up. And that's where doing those tantric circles around the whole entire vulva, the outer end, working in towards the inner part of the lips and licking and caressing, especially for some women, that area between the outer labia and the inner labia can be such soft skin and so amazing. (laughs) And I have given women, oral sex, that was just (laughs) mind-blowing. In fact, I've had several women say, you know, I've never come so hard in my life. And I think it's partly because for women to be fully erect, it takes a lot of awakening the kundalini, awakening the sex energy within. And for guys, think about it this way. If you, if you don't have an erection, sex feels totally different than when you do get erect. It's much more rich and full, quite literally and figuratively. <laughs> women do have erectile tissue. It's not as noticeable on, on women as it is on guys. But to really fully bring a woman to ultimate pleasure She needs to have that erection. And they get erect both in the clitoris and many different areas, around the inner lips, the outer lips. It really changes the sensation. I know I've said in this show before that, you know, when I did the erotic body map, if you just touch yourself when you're not aroused, the body responds very differently to touch than if you're fully aroused and all of a sudden it becomes a whole different sensation no matter where you are on the body. And I know one of the things that I discovered doing the erotic body map was that I love having my feet licked and sucked on. It's one of my hottest erogenous ends. (laughs) But any thoughts, Paul?
1: That brings up an important point. You know, I know I mentioned uh, the various erogenous zones earlier. And for you, your toes and your feet are a very hot erogenous zone. For some people, it's the earlobes or the neck. Some people really like you to play with their butt a lot. And it's important with each new partner that you have to like have a conversation with them before you initiate sex with them to find out what really turns them on the techniques that you use with one person aren't necessarily going to work as well on another person so each each body is different and beautiful and discovering what each individual enjoys is an art in and of itself, and it it can make for much, much more fulfilling sex if you take the time to, to figure that out before you actually start having sex.
0: And I'm glad you brought that up, because one of the things that... It's also important to identify is what is your partner's primary sense? Mm-hmm. We each have a primary sense that we learn better by. For Some people are more visual learners. Some are auditory learners. Some are tactile kinesthetic learners. And interestingly enough, that transfers to sex. And I can give you a great example. I'm mostly a visual and tactile kinesthetic learner. Auditory doesn't do it for me. I've got people that want to do phone sex with me, but it just doesn't really turn me on. doesn't do it. And if you're an auditory learner and your partner's a visual learner and you just make the assumption, oh, they're going to enjoy this and you try to use your primary sense to arouse them, it's going to backfire. It's not going to go where you want it to go. Mm -hmm. Find out what their primary sense is. Often it's reflected in how we talk. You'll notice some people say, oh, I see what you mean. They're usually a visual learner. Or they may say, oh, I hear you. I hear everything you're saying. That's an auditory learner. Mm -hmm. And a tactile kinesthetic learner will often say, yeah, I feel you. I feel what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes, if we get on the right wavelength and use the right sense with each other, and one of the examples I like to give is that if you don't use the same sense, like say one, I'm the visual learner and my partner's more auditory, then I'll either do a striptease and describe it to them as I do it. Mm -hmm. And that way they're getting turned on from the description Mm -hmm. more than the actual striptease. Or I'll have them do a striptease for me and describe it as they do it. Mm -hmm. And that way they get more turned on because we're plugging into the primary sense Mm -hmm. for both of us. And for tactile kinesthetic, it's like a lot of dancers are more tactile kinesthetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like that feeling of movement, that feeling of their bodies. Mm-hmm. And so with tactile kinesthetic, you want to do your lovemaking with much more touchy-feely stuff.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And that can really amplify your sex life Yeah, in a big way. And some of the things, you know, you mentioned earlier, my feet are hot, erogenous zone for me. Mm -hmm. I think most of my body is that way now. Oh, (laughs) I I know that. (laughs) I know that for a fact. (laughs) I've had boyfriends and girlfriends in the past that haven't experienced a full-body oral symphony from me. And I've done it with them the first time, and it can be so amazing because they discover new erogenous zones on their body. Mm -hmm. I go through the entire body. I'll lick under their arms or I'll I'll lick the cheek of their ass and start licking and touching and caressing. And I like to use different sensations, especially with my hands. I can use my fingernails and go very so lightly Mm -hmm. touch, just barely touch. Sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. Especially starting out, less can be so much more. <laughs> yeah. Now, the one thing you do have to be a little careful of is, is your partner ticklish? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But sometimes you can parlay that into hot action as well, as long as they're into it. Oh, yeah. But some people
0: don't like being tickled at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it varies from person to person. It's good to communicate with your partner it's also good to d- get the erotic body map and do that for yourself mm-hmm. and have your partner do it for themselves and then join together because the erotic body map get provides nonverbal information. Yeah. And we don't have a good vocabulary for sex and how we like to be touched. And so by making it a visual representation and then doing some of the exercises that comes with the erotic body map, which are designed to help you communicate non-verbally exactly how you like to be touched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it can be so very powerful.
1: It is important to learn the the senses that are important to your, your par- partner in learning and in lovemaking. It's also important to have... An idea of if you have a partner that's more dominant, you might encourage them to tell you what to do and to feel like they are in control of the scene, even though it's you going down on them. If you're following their direction, they can still feel that dominant role. And if they're more submissive, it's more you performing on them and just letting them receive it. And I, I think that is very, very important because if you have a dom- dominant partner but they don't feel like they can give you feedback back during it, especially if you start doing something that they don't like, it's going to completely kill the mood. But if you encourage them to tell you what to do and to basically shape the sex experience the way that they would have it, they're going to be much more fulfilled in the end.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that kind of comes to mind is that if you're the dominant one giving, you can order them to lay down and be still and not move a muscle.
2: and
0: you can take them orally (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I know that in certain communities it's kind of frowned upon for the dominant to give oral sex oftentimes they're supposed to be the one receiving it and so you can still be in that dominant role in giving oral sex (laughs)
1: yeah for sure
0: and part of it's using creativity and kind of getting into the right headspace and getting into that place where, which is the most beneficial for yourself and your partner. Mm -hmm. We're coming up close to the middle of the show, and I'd like to take a little break. We've been talking about the art of oral sex. We're continuing from our past show where we covered a lot of the details on how to do it and how some of the techniques to use. And this time I thought it'd be good to kind of go over a little bit about our own experiences with oral sex. I know I've both given and received from many, many people and have become very experienced with it. I didn't start that way. It was kind of awkward at the first time I had oral sex mm-hmm. <laughs> or gave oral sex. I was young and went straight for it <laughs> right on the genitals. And it's like Oh, it's okay. It's good. And sometimes a quickie can be very good. If you really want to bring about one of those amazing orgasms for your partner, start building that energy slowly and bring them close to the edge of an orgasm. Then back away for a few. Let them cool down. Take some deep breaths. And then bring them back up again. But while we take a little break, I just kind of wanted to review what we've been talking about. I'd like to check in with our audience. If you enjoy this show, if you're getting something out of it, and you want to give a little back, come and visit my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg, and consider giving a small amount each month or a large amount. I have many different tiers. You can give as little as one dollar a month and that would help us with production costs and equipment costs and all the things that go into making this show.
1: We have a section at the end of our show where listeners can ask questions and in order to do that, how, how would they go about doing that, Gigi?
0: Basically, you want to email me if you want to do it privately. and the, the email address is admin, A-D-M-I-N, at com, Or you can put in the comments on iTunes and ask your question in the comments section and do rate the show, give us some feedback on the show. We'd love to hear from you. And so, moving on, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things that make oral sex even better. And I think the first thing is to have good hygiene and take a shower and wash everywhere really good before engaging in oral sex. Now, I do love the taste of the genitals They're amazing, I mean, and they're full of, ah, those musky, beautiful tastes and scents. And I think they even give off a certain amount of (laughs) Mm pheromones that can be very powerful. I know in our culture, we're so conditioned to have underarm deodorant and all kinds of perfumes and stuff. Well, while those may smell good, they don't taste very good. And it's good to wash all that off your body before Mm -hmm. getting into oral sex. One of the things I've hated is all of a sudden I'm ready to lick someone's underarm and all of a sudden my mouth dries up from their (laughs) antiperspirant. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, ooh, yuck. (laughs) So that can be a turnoff. So it's good to take a good shower or bath. Mm-hmm. I often like to do a bubble bath together and wash each other. <laughs> yeah, as <laughs> a prelude to good oral sex.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a good point. Like, it it's a a thing that people are embarrassed to to bring up with a new partner that they've not really played around with a lot. And I think one good way to get around that is before you engage in any sexual acts with them, you can invite them to have a sensual shower together or bath together and I make l-
0: love to do a bubble bath. Yeah. A champagne bubble bath is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and champagne can be really great with oral sex. Mm-hmm. There's times when I take a big gulp, hold it in my mouth and then go down on a cock or go down on the outer lips of the pussy and let the bubbles do a little bit of the stimulation. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't want to get the champagne directly into the vagina because there's sugars and alcohol that wouldn't be good for the vagina. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings us to another topic. I know a lot of women think douching will help and make them clean and taste better. And actually, it does the opposite. Because when you douche, especially if you're using chemical douches, it interferes with your natural pH balance down there. And it can interfere with how it can taste in the long run, and it can open you up to different types of infections. Mm -hmm. So it's best not to do vaginal douching if you do it then use only clean distilled water (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there are things that your body produces in the vagina that are good for the vagina and if as long as you're in good health it's going to taste amazing just as it
1: is (laughs) yeah and that's uh, that's one thing i think sometimes in our culture there's a stigma against the natural taste and smell of a vagina or of to a lesser degree of someone's balls or or their dick but those are are natural smells those are natural tastes and as long as you get over this like cultural stigma of the natural taste and smell of it They're not actually bad, but for some reason our culture kind of trains us to believe that it's bad. And I think it's important to overcome that if you're going to embrace your sexuality fully.
0: And for me, it's just I like to be clean when I have sex. Mm -hmm. It just makes the experience better for both me and my partner. I don't want to be concerned with bad body smells from being having not been bathed in the last day or two. <laughs> so I like to take a bath. And plus, it kind of starts preparing you. And one of the things I do is I do often will do a ritual bath, which is a little different before jumping in f- for sex because it kind of gets you in the right headspace. It's a time to start building initially building that erotic energy in yourself. And when we build that energy up just a little bit before we engage in sex, your partner's going to feel that energy in you. They're going to feel that erotic energy that's kind of built up in you, and you're going to shine out a little brighter.
1: So I think one area where this is particularly important We do a lot of camping events together and it can be hard to find a shower at them but there are things like solar showers that you can buy and a lot of the camping events that we go to actually have actual showers that you can use or different camps will have a shower that you can use. If you can't do any of that, One good thing is wet wipes, you know, people take wet wipe baths, um, which will do a a lot of work towards making you a lot fresher out there because once you've been camping for a few days, it can get pretty bad. I remember one particular time at a camping event where I had met this girl and we were hitting it off and I was doing some foreplay, and I started licking different parts of her body and realized that she was covered in bug spray. And that was the biggest turnoff.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that, since we're on the topic of uh, hygiene, another related topic is playing safe and using condoms and dental dams when you are enjoying oral sex. I think that... A lot of people don't use barriers for women Mm -hmm. because they aren't familiar with them. Mm -hmm. And there's some simple techniques. And even if you don't have access to dental dams, you can either cut the length of the condom and unroll it and there'll be a flat surface. Or you can use non-microwavable plastic wrap Mm -hmm. as long as it's not porous. You don't want porous plastic wrap. <laughs> and a technique I learned at a bi conference for hands free is to get it for the woman to get a garter belt on and take the front straps, hook them on the back side of the dental dam or barrier, and take the back straps, wrap them around to the front, and connect the, them to the front of the dental dam or barrier. And that provides for hands-free barrier protection while you go down.
1: <laughs> that's that's really awesome. I I had never heard of that. But, yeah, that's really handy.
0: Oh, yeah, because when you're in the throes of passion, sometimes that dental dam can kind of slip or move around mm-hmm. unintentionally. <laughs> and you don't want the fumbling of trying to keep it in place.
1: Mm-hmm. Plus, it leaves both of your hands free and their mm-hmm. hands free to, to play with each other and stimulate each other.
0: And oftentimes, when someone's going down on my body, both orally and with their hands, I like to give a little stimulation back to them mm-hmm. with my hands as they're pleasuring me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that can be awesome, too. So, any thoughts on that topic,
1: I will say that um, a lot of people forgo using protection with oral sex because they don't consider it as risky as with penetrative sex, but there are a lot of STDs and STIs that can be spread orally, especially if you happen to have bleeding gums or ulcers or anything like that going on. And practicing safer sex practices allows you to have more sex with more people without risking your future partners and it's very important.
0: Or yourself. Or yourself, (laughs) yes. Because the one thing you don't want is to come down with the something that It's (laughs) bad. I've played around with people that have AIDS or Mm -hmm. other STDs, and by taking precautions and playing very safely, you can do it. There's many things you can do Mm -hmm. that are very enjoyable. Yeah, and you know, and if you're really concerned, use a gloved hand and give them a hand job. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get anything from a hand job with gloves on
1: <laughs> yeah or mutual masturbation is a great mm-hmm. way to to both get yourself off with without risking anything plus there are all sorts of things like i even saw one time they make a full latex body suit that covers you from feet to your neck and both of your arms and latex and there's there's no way you're gonna get anything with that
0: although you do have to be careful because some people do have allergies to latex yeah that and is so, and when i use gloves i always get the nitrile gloves
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's a good point when you bring up barriers you also brought up using pa- plastic wrap if you have a partner is allergic to latex, the plastic wrap is a great way to still have a barrier in place without really having to worry about it.
0: And while they do make non-latex condoms, they're a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. So you or your partner has a latex allergy. You can always use a big sheet of wrap around mm-hmm. the cock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plastic wrap, that is. And plastic wrap will provide an effective barrier. Okay. So I'd like to share a little bit of some of my experiences with oral sex. I know that I've had so many. It's hard to put my finger on which experience I'd want to share with you because I've had so many (laughs) varied ones but i do remember one that's really comes to mind and it didn't start with oral sex it started with my partner getting a bunch of different objects that would provide interesting stimulation on my body and she blindfolded me and started playing and it included everything from pine cones to essential oils where she poured a little drop into a cotton ball and held it under my nose so I'd smell it. She had little bells to ring, you know, little tinkly ones, mm-hmm. nothing a- a- obtrusive. And she just did this sim- amazing symphony of sensations all over my body. She even used a pine cone and rolled it along my b- the spine of my back That was Mm -hmm. quite incredible. (laughs) It was Mm -hmm. a little prickly, but felt good. And it didn't scratch or prick Mm -hmm. the skin, but it gave that illusion. She just went through a whole symphony of different objects, even this clean, brand-new sponge with a scouring pad on one side. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what was coming next uh, or where. (laughs) And she'd do it sometimes on my face or neck or down the back of my neck or Mm -hmm. along the whole leg, length of the leg, going down one side and up the other side. It's just this amazing experience. That's where I learned about the gulp of champagne in the mouth. And we had frozen it. The bottle, it was kind of more like an icy. Mm -hmm. It was kind of icy cold. mm -hmm. And she filled her mouth with it and then went down on my cock and just let the bubbles and the icy cold melt mm. my cock away. <laughs> it was, and it's amazing to feel those bubbles on the cock. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just indescribable. It feels like thousands of teensy little fingers are playing with your cock.
2: <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> you've got quite a look on your
1: face oh yeah it sounds amazing
0: and if you're not into champagne you can also use beer (laughs) or ale (laughs) i
1: i'd imagine um you know you mentioned problems with uh ph when um when going down on a woman and not wanting to get it inside the vagina imagine something like mineral water or club soda that doesn't really have any sugars might be a little better for that. Oh, yeah. One
0: of the things I'd like to jump in and say is that oftentimes in our culture, we're very goal-oriented, and we go right for the orgasm, way too often. Now, it's okay to do quickies, and I'm not saying don't have orgasms, but... To just build up all this energy just to have an orgasm, kind of cut yourself short. One of the things I discovered doing tantric work is that by building up the sex energy and the erotic energy, distributing it through the body, it opens you up to, even men, to having full body orgasms, non-ejaculatory orgasms, and multiple orgasms, and by focusing more on the journey to orgasm instead of on the end result, having an orgasm, enjoying and experiencing the pleasures of the journey to there is so amazing. Oftentimes, and I like to think about it this way, an orgasm doesn't last real long in time, it's a very relatively short event, <laughs> or usually is. <laughs> now, I have had multiple long ones, <laughs> but that took a lot of work getting there. But building the pleasure and experiencing the ple- erotic pleasures of the body and getting to the orgasm can feel so amazing, too. And if it's all a matter of focus, what do we want to focus on? If we focus on building the energy and experiencing some of the amazing sensations our bodies can give us and that we can give to each other, then orgasm, when it does happen, becomes even more so amazing. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's something that I had kind of learned before my work with you, but Definitely, like, in going through the work that I've done with you, uh, I've learned how powerful it is to to spread that sexual energy around. And for me, when I feel it spread around my body, like, I feel my body getting goosebumps and the hair on the back of my neck and head, like, standing on end, and my entire body feels electric, it feels alive, and it feels so much more incredible.
0: And that's part of what raising that Kundalini does mm-hmm. it makes us more tuned to what's going on in our bodies, and especially our sexual body and our erotic body.
2: It mm-hmm. kind
0: of transforms our entire sense of receiving touch it's not something that's just a touch anymore it's Mm -hmm. electrified with passion yeah
1: (laughs) I think when you don't practice that when you're just goal oriented and you're looking for the orgasm like the orgasm is great but like you said it lasts such a short period of time but when you really spread that sexual energy around and you really work on it the like the lead up to an orgasm is better than the orgasm like the orgasm is always nice but it is not the end-all (laughs) be-all
0: well speak for yourself i do enjoy the orgasm too i mean it especially when I have those multiples. Those are pretty incredible. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird trying to compare orgasm to the process of raising erotic energy and raising the pleasuring. They're two different things, but both feel so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyway, we're coming to the end of the show almost. And before I do, I'd like to remind you to visit our website, ravenslayerleather.com. I have just finished putting out a new training program that covers how to live a more positive lifestyle, how to experience different types of orgasms. The training includes a lot of exercises on how to raise sexual energy, how to have energy orgasms, and how to prepare your body for sex. I even have some sex exercises that if you perform them each day, it will give you better orgasm control. You'll have more and firmer erections, both for males and for females. It will train you in a whole host of things. And there's even a body image healing component for learning how to get past all the body image hangups we have and be able to be more liberated with our own bodies and how we feel about our bodies. And by doing some of the body image healing exercises, you will get in touch with how sexy you really are and learn to overlook the Hollywood definition of beauty, and come to a whole new place in understanding what true beauty is all about. Because beauty's not just physical; it's also how we radiate our energy, how we shine out in the world. It's partly about developing good values and attitudes. And then I also even have a section on breaking sexual taboos and how to come to terms with some of the parts of our body that we've been conditioned to feel as off-limits. So anyway, if you're interested in this new training program, I have it featured on the homepage at ravenslerleather.com. And I see you brought up the question.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, So we've got a question from a listener, and it is, uh, Dear Gigi, I am a dominant woman who has been involved with BDSM for over a decade who is interested in becoming a professional dominatrix. And I'm curious how to go about getting started seeing clients And what are some of the steps that I can take to keep myself safe?
0: One area that might be good is to put up a profile in FetLife because that's a good safe space for the most part. You do want to meet your first potential clients that you've never worked with before in a public setting. I train the pro-doms here. I have have the client take them out for dinner at a restaurant. Or they can have some privacy, but they're not isolated. And one of the things I re- highly recommend if you're going into pro work is developing a professional self. One of the things I have the pro do that I teach is to do a complete BDSM interest evaluation with the client before you ever do a scene. And this can be a paid service because you're identifying their interests and their fears and their likes and dislikes or boundaries, a whole lot of information, identifying it for the client. And a lot of clients don't even know what they want. But by going through the evaluation, you can pinpoint exactly what their interests are and then work within those boundaries and often that will bring about a client that keeps coming back for more. <laughs> I think the other thing is to really know what you're doing. If you're very experienced, that's one thing. But if you don't have as much experience, I would recommend doing the training videos on that I have on my website on BDSM. And I go into all the safety protocol, even cover... The psychological components of BDSM I cover just a lot of information. And it's not just about putting someone up on their piece of equipment and spanking their bottom. <laughs> There's a lot more that goes into a good BDSM scene. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's not even visible at the surface. Things like doing a warm-up, doing the negotiations before the scene, Being able to check in during the scene and read their body language to know that you're going in the right direction during a scene and doing it all within the context of the scene. Mm -hmm. Designing a scene is a dominant, you are the director of the scene. Now the submissive and the client has the ultimate control in that they have safe words, but you're the one that's in the driver's seat, so to speak. But any thoughts, Paul?
1: I would say I've known a, a few pro doms, and you know, in my life, and some of the things that they did. So it it depends on the space that you're using, but you always want to have someone who knows where you're gonna be and that you're gonna check back in with them after the scene so that if for some reason anything goes wrong and you don't check in, they know to be concerned and worried and where you last were. Depending on your style, I've known a couple that hired like a, someone to stay at the door and not be inside during the scene but to be listening on the outside to make sure that everything is going okay. I know that you should definitely know what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. You should let your boundaries be known before the scene ever happens and never compromise your boundaries once you're in the middle of a scene because Mm -hmm. the second someone can see that you're willing to compromise some of your boundaries they're going to push harder for you to compromise other things and you might might wind up doing something that you really feel bad about in the future
0: and one of the things i do with in the training is i have the doms write up their own policy statement mm-hmm. these are the things i absolutely won't do hmm Because there are a lot of guys that want more than just the BDSM, Mm -hmm. and that can become a slippery slope.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's also important to be willing to (laughs) kick someone out, stop a scene, and just leave. Because you know, in the end, you're the one in control, and the second you stop losing. Control well, of the scene. I would
0: like to jump in and say you want to get some money up front, at okay. least to deposit. Okay. So that if the scene does go awry, you're not empty handed.
1: <laughs> that, that's a good point.
0: Or if the client at the last minute cancels or doesn't show up,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, they need to, there's a lot that goes in on being a good pro dom. Well, that, that's why you're
1: more of an expert tonight. <laughs> yeah. Him.
0: The other thing I would highly recommend is that policy statement. Because it's in writing, you've got it to refer back to and say, This is my policy. You read it before we saw each other. And that makes it a much stronger statement than just saying, Oh, I don't do that. (laughs) It's a question that I could spend. Mm
1: -hmm. We could do a whole nother show on this. No, I could spend more than a show.
0: on teaching how to be a good pro-dom, that's what my training program's all about and mm-hmm. it's going once a week for four hours of class for, I think it's nine months. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, I do a training in every aspect of what you need to know and what skills you need to become proficient with to be a good pro-dom. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the pro-doms out there just kind of jump into it with very limited knowledge and they learn by the school of hard knocks and that can sometimes even be dangerous Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i recommend learning your craft before you get out there and try to perform
1: (laughs) so if any of our listeners happen to be located in houston texas
0: yeah i am doing classes currently and we can take you into the classes. I can do um, makeup sessions for the ones you've missed. I don't mind bringing people in as the classes are progressing. hmm And so on that note, have an awesome night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions and take some time and explore the oral sex with your partner, or you can even... Enjoy a little bit of oral play on yourself, on parts of your body you can reach with your mouth. It can be pretty hot, too. And Mm -hmm. sometimes practicing on yourself first gives you instant feedback on what tongue techniques and biting techniques will really feel so good and delicious (laughs) Mm -hmm. before you try them on your partner. And with that, have a good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know About sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.
2: For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program, for every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world.
1: It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.